0: Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other, and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Good morning. So I'm here to introduce the movie. That's the joke's on you. Sorry. <laughs> With the, sorry, the, the, the drapes. That kind of just got me um, So yeah, thank you. It's a privilege to share this morning. Um, and yeah, it's good to kind of get this space to kind of bring things. Uh, Also, with worship, I'm just trying to log in. Um, It's not my iPad, it's my wife, so I'm trying to remember her date of birth, because that's the pin. (laughs) I have unlocked it, so. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it's it's a privilege to share, and obviously, worship was brilliant, and I just want us to, as we go through stuff this morning, still our hearts and remember that this is the same God. Don't hear it like you've heard it before, you know, hear it fresh, that actually this is the same God that we get to talk about and we get to experience that did stuff, amazing stories, not just in the Bible. You're talking like even in this country and in this city and even in our lives. And I hope that towards the end, we're going to get some time to share with in smaller groups, um, just how God is moving. Because sometimes when you get familiar with, you know, scripture, you just read it and it's like, Oh, God's good. You know, but actually pause, God is good. What is that? You know, and just dream and see, see how that shows up. So, um, so, as you said, this morning we'll be continuing in the Salt and Life series, Life Between Sundays, it's very well coined. Um, I think for us, I'll share some things initially, and that might bring depression or excitement, depending, but hopefully by the end will be great. So, <laughs> so, I was reading and it says, apparently we spend a third of our lives on average at work. So, not when I'm talking about like, you know, when, when we kind of, you know, um, commute and all of that, we're saying, the time you actually spend doing work amounts to about 30% of your living life. Say la. Um, and then to take it one step further, if you th- um, the, the, also, the, the research also shows that actually about 26 of those years you're spending sleeping. So actually, when you think about it, like 50% of your, life, your waking life you spend at work. So again, I'm going to pause. I'm not going to rush because that is significant. That's a significant chunk of our lives between Sundays, where we spend doing something that clearly God has to, there has to be a lot that God has to say about that. It's not just something that we go and do that separate from our Christian lives. It's something that's clearly there's something about it. That's God's design. And so I want to lean into that this morning that talks about essentially what does work look like um, and what's like, you know, almost kind of repurposing or rediscovering the intent for work, because work isn't evil. You can go back to the Garden of Eden, and it'll tell you that. Um, but also, you could also look at the other thing, because obviously, for most of us, the way we get money is through our work. So we go to work, and the money we get for, for in exchange for half of our, our waking lives, we get money. <laughs> and so again, money represents something that's clearly very important, and if we are Christian, and we really want to be Christian and be honest, we know that money would answer a lot of the prayers we're praying about today, the things that are stressing us out, keeping us awake. You know, there is, like, there is a, there's, a, there's a link there. So we exchange some of our life, almost half of it, for money. And so sometimes if we don't get the right perspective around work and money, we could lose our sense of, actually, what is, this, what is money for? What is God's design for money? And so if I'm spending most of my life doing this, it's worth delving a little bit deeper. Is so everybody depressed or excited? How's that going? Checking the room? Okay, cool. Um, so I, I think I'll I say to Jimmy to kind of give me some feedback in terms of like, boo, and now to encourage me a little bit, So I know it might be one of those sessions. This morning. So if we, if we start from Matthew 6 and 24, and again, familiar scripture, but it's, it's up on there. So no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else they will remain loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon so again familiar familiar text it, it kind of brings a lot of things for us to kind of mull over but i think one of the first ones on here is you know we as human beings we either serve the creator or we serve created things we don't get a choice not to serve anything when we, when we, the fact that we're human beings will serve one or the other. But this scripture is kind of putting in our faces this idea of mammon, which isn't a word I ever use in my, in my conversation with people. Uh, and it kind of goes back to essentially, um, and I was doing some reading on this, you know, there's probably a lot, a lot you can read, you know, but it's just a taster for us to start to think a little bit differently, I guess. Um, so I read, and it says, mammon is a spirit that seeks to find self sufficiency in material things. Um, it's got its origins in the Chaldeans, so it was a, a Babylonian god of wealth, um, especially wealth gained through avarice or ex, is it avarice? Is that how you say it? avarice? Um, or extreme greed. So that's the idea of Mammon. And when I say that, it almost seems like, oh yeah, that's not me. Please listen. It's all of us, right? <laughs> so before you get high minded that this isn't about you, it is. It is about me too, <laughs> right? Okay, so, um, and when you think about, you know, sort of this, uh, you know, Babylonian god of wealth, it takes me back to like the Tower of Babel and how these guys, so if you go into Genesis kind of two, I think, where it says, God says, um, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. And then by the time we got to Genesis 11, you got these guys who came around and said, actually, you know what? Let's make make a name for ourselves by building something that goes up to the heavens so that we're not scattered to the ends of the earth, which is totally kind of against what God was saying. Fill the earth and, you know, kind of, again, essentially was the one who's going to make a name for us. But these guys sought to make a name for themselves by what they did, by the works of their hands. So I'm drawing the parallel to go for us today. What that could look like is we could look at our work, and sometimes start to find sufficiency, identity, in the things that we do, or the groups that we belong to, or how much money we make. Which clearly, there's a bit of a problem with. Um, and there's a lot. So there's another quote which is which I got from I think Got Questions or something. And again, it kind of brings it down. It probably hum- humbles all of us to show that we're all in the same bag, and we just need to God calling us to, to be aware so we can step out of it. So it says worship of mammon um, can show up in many ways. It isn't always through a continual lust for more money. When we envy others' wealth, are anxious or, or we're anxious over potentially unmet needs, disobey God's directive about the use of wealth, tr- fail to trust, uh, fail to trust God's love and faithfulness, our thinking is out of balance concerning material wealth. So this is something that convicts all of us because there are. It, it may show up whether. You work in ministry or not, it may show up whether you, you're you poor or you're rich. It shows up in everybody's life. And unlike a lot of the other sins, you know, this is something that you can carry and not be aware of it yourself. Um, and that's the reason why it's almost like we need to kind of bring this to the fore and, like, kind of, I guess, mull over our hearts and see where things are at. Uh, so... Reading, uh, before I go into that, there were, there were a couple of scriptures I recommend you read. Revelation 18 talks about the judgment that's coming on Babylon and calling the church to come out of that. Very strong, but obviously it's worth being aware of because it's the revelation from Jesus. And then James 5, which in my opinion speaks a lot about where we're at today in culture. So highly recommend you take those away and you read them in your spare time. But when we read the scripture again about you cannot serve God and mammon, like in my very, very basic, simplistic early Christian life, I used to go. Well, you know, serving God and mammon. So if I work in like ministry or church or doing missions, then clearly I'm serving God. And if I'm going to work in, you know, like secular culture, it's like God hates that stuff. But I just, you know, so it's kind of creating that divide, which God doesn't create. It's not from God. It's a it's a wrong interpretation of what Scripture's saying. Um, and so I want to lean into that a little bit this morning because, um, yeah, I, I will, I'll get into that later. Sorry, I won't, I won't digress. So because of this, we could often find ourselves, again, looking at, you know, looking to create value, sense of identity from, from what we do, like I said before. So if we're leaning a little bit more into work and starting to explore what's, what's God's um, perspective regarding our work, and then we're going to go into the money bit a bit later. So Colossians 3:23 to 25. Amazing. Efficient. Um, <laughs> so it says, whatever you do, work heartily. Ask for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that, the Lord, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So when we read this, again, we can fall into the trap of God will repay the evil boss. Not you, <laughs> you know. God will pay. Like I'm gonna, because I'm a Christian. I show up at work and I do amazing work, and God's gonna judge all these people. But actually, it works both ways, because as by by virtue of fallenness and sin, we get to sometimes bring our toxicness and contribute to the toxic culture at work, which God's saying, hey, like no, that's not that's not it. You know, He's calling us to something different. So we need to be aware of the the parts of our brokenness, our our um insecurities, whatever that is, that's contributing to the difficulty and making work very, you know, sort of um, thorny for a lot of people. But also, we get to come in as Christians to our workspaces to bring flourishing and life, to, and speak life, like I think Joe shared a few weeks ago, you know, and Susie did an amazing job last week, just discerning God's voice, and, you know, it's amazing. So, we could look at that and start to see that actually, you know, we're we're, we're in the same boat here, and we need to be aware of what we're bringing in to the table the other thing to take away from this which for me was quite interesting because it's that bit where it says um knowing that from the lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward so god's saying in here like actually the way we show up at work can store up treasure for ourselves in heaven that's not just like we're not just talking giving now because normally we we tend to talk about give your resources to, to the poor, which we'll look into, and um, because that's a way to store up treasure in heaven. But here it's saying, the way we show up at work and how diligent we are with the work we do can store up treasure in heaven. And when you think about it practically, um, so we have, I'm married to Chi Chi, um, the one whose date of birth I was trying to <laughs> poop stuff. just now, um, and we, had a, we, have a, we have a boy who is Rotimi. Um, when we decided we wanted to have a kid, God didn't just come down and say, "Hey, like I'm going to bring you this ten-year-old who's already created and who's got amazing behavior." No, He said, "I'm going to provide <laughs> your child for you through the two of you, through doctors, through the hospital, through you know midwives." And so, a lot of people were intrinsically part of God's answer to my prayer. And so, for a lot of us, we, when we show up at work. Um, especially when work is kind of going into, again, the um, Garden of Eden, where it says we should tend the garden and care for the garden. When when our work is kind of um, caring for creation and adding flourishing to creation, it is actually making a difference, because you're co-laboring with God to bring flourishing to the earth. Does that make sense? Good. Okay. kind of buttress this a little bit psalms one to seven one and again it's talking into the same idea so it says except the lord builds the house um sorry except the lord build the house the they labor in vain that build it except the lord keep the city the watchman waketh in vain so it's this idea that we get to co-labor with god it's not saying you know the person who's watching over the city. Is the person bringing security but god is bringing security to the city through the person showing up to do what they're doing the builder is building the house but actually god is building the house through the person's vocation so when we start to look at our work and the things that we do and we intrinsically look at how god is actually adding flourishing to the earth through the work of our hands it changes my perspective about work because it gets me excited about okay god i know that you're probably more interested in this work than i am so like Susie was sharing last week, how do, what's, your, what's the answer to this solution that we're kind of dealing with here? How do I deal with this, you know, um, problem that we're facing to kind of bring flourishing and nourishing to the earth? Okay. Um, and some practical ways, in, <laughs> if, if you need that. I heard, I heard this and made me chuckle. Um, he said, that someone said, uh, what's the Christian way to fly a plane? Land in the airport. Ideally, <laughs> the airport you were intending to land um, and land safely. That's the Christian way to fly a plane. We don't need to make it more spiritual than it needs to be. It is literally um, doing your work and showing up in your work with excellence, so that we so we work as unto God, and as we do that, God kind of adds and gives kind of flourishing to the earth through us. Other examples of this, you can look at the doctor um, and what they do to bring healing and partnering with God in that. You can look at the cleaner and how in them cleaning. They kind of help add, like get rid of diseases and spread of bacteria and all that stuff. Very important things. But again, if we don't see kind of the co-labor in regard, we probably dis- we don't discern well the value that we're adding at work. Um, so yeah, so I guess, yeah, oh, I'll add one more if you want to, if, if you haven't thrown me out here. So the investment banker, this is one I kind of, you know, was closer to home. I don't work at a bank, but I used to. Um, and I used to kind of go, I, 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 if I'm being honest, I kind of used to feel really like tension about that hey, I'm I'm strange sometimes. Um, and, you know, it's this idea that the investment banking can actually, they're the ones who actually create culture in crazy ways. Because if you think about, even as we are today, like the way we can have Deliveroo or um, we could have Uber or how, like things have radically changed based on what a few individuals are doing to create money and create investment for businesses to be able to show up. So investment bankers are actually very key to God's adding a flourishing if they discern it well. So if you if you line up with God's perspective, and the challenge to us all is we take away from today and go and discern with God to go, God, where is it that you're trying to add flourishing through the work of my hands? How can I um, reconcile where I'm showing up for half of my life to your purpose to bring flourishing to the earth? Make sense? Great. Okay, so one more um, text, which, again, I read. um, And it was a really great quote from a guy called Edward Freeman. Um, So I've changed it. So the actual quote came, and where it says work, it was business. Where it says money, it was profit. But I've kind of changed it to make it relevant to all of us. So it says, the old way of work presupposes that the purpose of work is to make money. This is akin to believing that making red blood cells, or breathing, is the purpose of life. Yes, we must ha- we we must have red blood cells, just as work must make money. So money is not the key attraction here. Flourishing and creating and adding flourishing is the key attraction. Money is the byproduct of that. So looking at that, I kind of I kind of paraphrase to go: Who wants to live just to breathe? Like if money is like you know money is just breathing, that's not the, like that's not the purpose of life. But when we start to chase after money like it's the key attraction. We look back at the end of our lives and we've caught people, we've caught relationships, we've lost our sense of purpose with God, compromised on who we are just to attain something that was actually just breathing. God was going to give that to us anyway, right? Um, So, again, i would share again, again, linking to what we do for work. Um, And I think it's important to call out that, you know, um, the way culture tends to um, credit, you know, financially reward work isn't the same value God places on it. Um, and for me, COVID was one of the big ways this showed up because a lot of the time, the, the superheroes, like what the Bible talks about, you know, the parts of your body, the, the hidden parts, the not so amazing parts actually are the main attraction. So if you if you take out your heart, you're not going to be here, but you can't see it. You know, it's the, you know, some of you have done some amazing things to your hair and your face, but that's not the main attraction. The main attraction is your heart. If it's not there. D A D, right? So, so it's um it's kind of the same thing with our workers. Oftentimes when we look at work and you look at what you're doing and you're like, oh I'm just a teacher, I'm just a cleaner, but actually it's the other way around. And COVID gave us a glimpse of that to go, who's actually the front line here? Because I don't know about you, but initially I was like, whoa, like we don't know what this disease does. We don't know how bad it is. I've got a, you know, an elderly mom who's got some conditions. I'm not playing with anybody, like go away. <laughs> you know, don't come and see me. You know, but like cleaners were going out, teachers were going out, oh teachers and how <laughs> some of us were like, Oh, we love our kids, we do. But like Covid made us go. Actually, we need these teachers to take this <laughs> humans for a few hours <laughs> every day because it ha- it helps us flourish in our marriage a lot better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so so there's a there's a there's a lot that we can you know if we perceive it right and like actually work is an amazing thing and it's something that God uses to give us gifts and we need to look at it and change our minds regarding it and not have to dread work. So that leads us back. That leads us back into the money money element. So. Um, I think from what I'm sharing, it's clear money is not evil here. Money is not evil, and it's something that we need to get rid of in church that we kind of seek to go after poverty as though it's something that's amazing. It isn't. Um, But it's the side attraction. It's the byproduct because we get to partner with God. So if we look at um, 1 Timothy 6 um, and verse 5 to 9, um, so it says, these people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt. Um, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. And then from, from verse 17 to 19, it says, In the same chapter, it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all things for our enjoyment. I'll read that bit again. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others by doing this, they will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that, so that they may experience true life. So there's a lot to glean from that scripture. Um, but I've picked up four. So one is, don't think of yourself more highly than your, than others because of wealth. Um, that's one of the signs that we're kind of uh, mammon is showing up because money is the byproduct. We're breathing. It's not the thing that defines us. We don't get a value from it. So we don't get to look down on other people because they have little or more. The second thing is that money isn't your security; God is, um, and we need to be on guard against all sorts of greed. So, if you look at Luke thirteen and twenty-one, which isn't on there, but I'll paraphrase or explain what the story was—the parable of the rich fool. And essentially, this guy was a farmer, is what I gather, and he had, had this—he had this harvest that was barn-breaking. He not he had like his barn wasn't big enough to store up the harvest, so he thought, "Hmm, I've got an extra increase. I'm going to." build an even bigger barn so I can store up all the treasure and never have to work a day in my life again. Um, And God God came and said, actually, your soul is demanded of you tonight. So I don't think that's saying, hey, we create a principle of not financial planning. That's that's not wise because it talks about actually providing for your family and all that stuff. So that's not what I'm talking about. But it's this idea that actually if our our heart's posture towards especially unexpected increase is, oh, this isn't just for me. God, you've given me this thing. Um, how aware and how switched on am I about where there is need and opportunities where I'm believing God to go, hey, like a friend of mine just been kicked out. God, I'm believing you for increase so that I can pay their mortgage for a couple of months whilst they get back on their feet. Um, and then when there's that increase, you know, that you know that's the answer to that prayer. That's how we get to kind of, it's a byproduct. We're just, God is an, uh, an abundant God. He lives where there the are streets of gold. It, it's it, the, the lack mindset isn't, you know, God the, yeah, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> so so there's a, essentially, the, the, there is God's trying to bring provision through to, through to others, and we get to partner with him and be switched on about where the need is so that we can um, be distributors in that sense. Um, and that leads to the next point around God provides for us and others all we need for our enjoyment. So sometimes you can look at it as, oh, well, I'm not supposed to have anything. No. God wants, you to, he wants to give you things for your enjoyment. It's not just that you work and you don't get to buy anything or do anything that you enjoy. It's just having the right perspective. And I think one of the practical things I, 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 I kind of noted down on here is create a budget. So create a budget and go, hey, like um, I want to be able to give X percent of my wealth or my finances to those around me. And next, next year, I'm going to try and increase it. And next year, I'll try and increase it. And I'll keep trying to push myself to push and give more and more of my money. We're not talking 10% here. That's like elementary. Like sorry, I'm not trying to be flipping about it, but like the 10th, uh, like tithe thing is not the thing, like all of it is God's, right? So when we kind of start to look at it and we go, hey God, like there is no restriction here. I want to live my life and pour my life out as a drink offering to you. So whether I have plenty or I don't have enough, that's okay. I am content because I know you're with me and through Christ I can do all things. So it's, it's kind of changing our mindset towards, towards money and just kind of being a bit more Generous. The other thing I'll, I'll do, and sorry, Joe, I'm going to kind of call you out here. Sorry, but I was really encouraged by Joe and Frank, and you guys encouraged us because when we do, when I see how you guys prioritize this and how you manage your finances towards trying to be more generous, and it's not, it's not trying to create like works of perfection. Sorry, I'm calling you. I didn't intend, I intended to, but I didn't tell you. Um, <laughs> um, but I just want to commend you because you guys, because essentially. By doing community with you that challenges me to go okay so that's that's how we're, that's how we're rocking now we want to you know like dis, like give to where it makes us a little bit uncomfortable. That challenges me because I get to be in community with other people who do life and then they, they kind of each other we encourage each other by each other's faith so that we can be more generous of what we do. So community is an important part of this because if you if you if you're not in like this kind of setting and you live in the same area, your kids go to the same schools, generally you might not be aware of need or you might not be aware of actually people challenging you to go 10%, isn't it? But the last thing I would say, and you know, you could, you know, put me, out, <laughs> put me out of this hindering around this is if this is your local church, your, your, your bank account needs to reflect that. I'm not preaching to say, give my money to church necessarily. And we'll see here that actually it's talking about the poor. It's talking about widows. It's talking about being aware of what, what's God, what's on God's heart. So I'm not saying give your money to church, although it is a part of it. If your local church is here, then my suggestion to you will be your finances should reflect that as well. Because it's a good thing. So you can put me out after this. Or t- tell me not to come back. Um, and the final thing is we talked about how our work can store up treasure. Our money can also store up treasure in heaven where moth can't, like the moth can't get to it. So that's another way that we can get to do that. And you can see the scripture reference from Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Final couple of scriptures because time has just flown by. Um, is Psalm 41, 1 to 3. So this kind of talks about God's heart towards the poor, like I just said just now. All the joys of those who are kind to the poor. Uh, The Lord rescues them when they're in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. This is an Old Testament scripture, so I know some of you are going, oh, it's just a random thing. So let's bring it to the New Testament. So in Acts 10, I'll paraphrase this. So this guy um, called Cornelius is argued to be the first Gentile convert. And the reason why was because he was the one who God gave the vision to Peter to say, hey, like, don't call what I've made clean unclean. So, you know, you need to kind of, the the, the gospel needs to cross over the Jewish line. Um, And The reason why he was chosen was because of his prayer to an unknown God and his generosity. So this guy, his generosity made God send an angel to him to go, hey, like, actually, I'm going to prepare a path because your prayer and your generosity has pushed God into a response. So God, is it any surprise that there are a lot of people who are not Christian who are way more generous than Christians are? And God prospers them because of it, because God isn't in the binary of Christian, non-Christian. He, he, he. There is something called common grace that He makes available to everybody. Whether you're, it's not a redemptive grace, it's common grace that makes available to everyone, that we get to be part of. And when we connect to that, is it any surprise that God actually increases you because you're actually, you know, looking after the poor, which is what He's after? So today I'm going to leave you with a couple of thoughts, um, and you know, we might have some time to mull over it together. There are two things. One of them is. You know, if you're not sat with your family um, and you're just sat with other people, I wouldn't push you to do this with them. So if you're, sat, if you're, just sat with, if you're not sat with your family, um, share some stories of what generosity has looked like for you. So if you can think of a time where you've been a recipient of generosity, how did that feel? What was the situation and how did that change you? If you were in a position where you were given generosity, again, how did that feel? What was the situation and how did that make you feel? It's not because you're trying to clout chase for the young ones in the room. Um, It's just to kind of, again, share the story of how the power of giving and receiving. If you are with your family, um, again, get together and think about what does my my giving and generosity look like in the next year? What did we give this year? And how am I going to increase that next year? Um, And where am I going to give that to as a family? What are we going to do to push um, the boundary? Because we want to see God in the city, break out in ways that we've never seen before. That's me hope that's been useful and i'll bring joe to finish up hope you enjoyed today's message if you want to find out more head to our website finelife.co.uk or follow us on instagram god bless and see you soon